welcome back to the QTQ podcast. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Many happy returns. It, it's another one. Yep. Uh, sure is. And <laughs> if you don't know us by now, my name is Becca. My name and is Ben. And we are joined once again by the fabulous Shay. Hello. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me again. And we are here to talk to you about the latest and greatest in theme park news and, you know, whatever we feel like talking about. <laughs> and it's gonna be great. And it's gonna be great. Um, Always is. So, like I said, Happy New Year, guys. Um, or whatever emotion New Year you're feeling. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's something. Yeah, I keep saying to everybody that like I'm just trying to like live in the now and not look forward to too much because I don't have not that I don't have high hopes, but um. I guess I'm like comfortably cautious is what I described it to someone the other day. Does that make sense? Comfortably cautious. All right. Yeah. I like to just say high hopes, low expectations. Sure. <laughs> um, ha- but you know, we're going to, we're going to make it a good year. It's not just going to be a bad year passively or be a good year passively. We're going to make it a good okay, year. Okay, Ben, I agree. I'm very optimistic about that. I agree with the sentiment. We'll see how it works in practice. <laughs> Interesting strategy. Let's see how it plays out. Um, so let's get right into the most important thing of the week. Ben, how was your week and your holiday? My extended week-long break was pretty darn good. Um, had a small holiday gatherings with my immediate bubble. Um. And yeah, just uh, Christmas was nice, dinner was good, and uh, New Year's was also nice. Pretty low-key, but uh, glad that we survived the holidays. Good. Yeah. Shay, what about you? And 2020's over. Uh, my Christmas was great. As I mentioned on this on this podcast before, uh, now that I work at a company corporate job, uh, I have PTO, paid time off, which is really unusual to me, but, <laughs> um, yeah. but it's wonderful. So I, we, we got Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off. And so then my girlfriend who works at the same place as I do, she and I took Monday and Tuesday off. And so we had a six day long staycation, which wow. we, about a week prior, we scheduled out everything. So we like, we knew we were going to watch this movie at this time, play video games at this time. We planned out all of our meals. So like we were wasting no time asking, well, what do you want to do now? Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And it was great. Well-oiled machine. We watched a bunch of movies, played a bunch of games, ate a bunch of food. It's good. Hell yeah. Excellent. How was yours? Uh, it was good. I did, uh, I was coming out of COVID, I think the last episode that we were, we had. So like, I had like exactly three days to do, to finish Christmas shopping, which was an exciting challenge. Um <laughs> And we did Christmas Eve with like my parents and my aunt. And then we did Christmas Day with Mike's immediate family. And then we had like, we have a little bubble here because of the people that live in the same building as us. So we did a little gathering with that. And I was absolutely spoiled for Christmas this year, like insanely. So like, I guess this brings me to like my next question is like, what'd you, what was your favorite thing that you got for Christmas? Because mine was, I specifically asked for hollow taco which is a brand of nail polish by uh, the, the youtuber simply nail logical and my mom got me the whole collection that i was looking for and then two of my friends also got me separate p- 
pieces of like other collections that she has so I got so much nail polish that I don't know what to do with it and I would show you how cool it is but I just like picked it off because that's also a bad habit that I have (laughs) so as soon as I get off this call I'm gonna pick a new color but yeah that was my favorite thing what was your favorite thing oh man so I got a lot of good stuff I have let's see my family bought me a shot glass that has the Patrick Henry quote on it give me liberty or give me death (laughs) I love it um (laughs) Heather's mom bought me a Chewbacca onesie (laughs) amazing (laughs) so definitely those were uh those were highest on the list and you bet I wore that all night why are you not wearing that onesie right now well you know funny story I forgot (laughs) to put it on I should have just surprised. I would have laughed so Next hard time. if you were just like funny story and you stood up and just like brought it over your body. <laughs> Let's just say I was roaring like Chewbacca the whole night and Heather was not pleased. <laughs> Shay, what was your favorite gift of the um, holiday season? Well, for, for one, um, Abigail got me um, a gingerbread house because I've never actually made one before. So that was super cool. Hmm. But um, more practically, I'm actually wearing it right now. Um, it's a Steven Universe shirt. Uh, oh, nice. I'm a huge Steven Universe fan, but I never, very rarely will I buy myself, like, merch. Yep. Um, and then my, my roommate and I, are, we're not, like, really good friends. We're just very functional people who live together. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been paying attention to the fact that I've been watching Steven Universe downstairs for the last few months um, again. And so he was just like, here's a shirt with a, sh- a thing on it that I know you like. <laughs> like That's ah, cool. insanely thoughtful. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew that he grills, awesome. so he got spices for me, and I bought his dog um, many, many stuffed animals. So everybody's happy. Oh, very nice. <laughs> very good. Um, and I wanted to ask and revisit the question, because uh, if you haven't seen the vlog already, uh, go check out our Santa's Village vlog. But in the vlog, Shay asked us what we get in our stockings every year. So I wanted to get like the quick speed round highlight reel of what was in your stocking. So Ben, what what'd you get? Big old bottle of hot sauce. Just hot sauce? I mean, that and a couple of other things that were like all useful and functional. Um, this year is a little different. Usually we have like like king of cans, but and I don't need the extra, the sugar this year. So <laughs> some hot sauce, some lotion, because uh, I have very dry hands. <laughs> don't we all? And uh, yeah, I had some other stuff in there. I'm kind of blanking on it. Oh, and Heather got me a bunch of nips. Very nice. good. Shay, what'd you get? Did you have a stocking? I did not have a stocking this year. Oh, I am, sad. I'm very sad to announce. Yeah, because I love stockings. But my, the original plan was that I was going to be up in, in New Hampshire for Christmas this year. Um, but then with, with numbers going up and everything, we, we opted to just stay put. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it was just me and me and my wonderful Jewish girlfriend. So there were no stockings. <laughs> Did you celebrate Hanukkah? We did. We celebrated Hanukkah hardcore. She got a different gift every night. Whoa. Yeah. Hey, eight nights, eight different gifts. Yes, please. Guaranteed eight (laughs) presents. Like you might get eight presents on Christmas, but you're guaranteed. (laughs) Um, In my my stocking, I got a bunch of like, I got a whole set of like gloves, like winter gloves which I like my mom was paying attention I mentioned to her that I just bought some so she was like she needs more um and then I got 
usually we get chapstick so i think i got chapstick i don't know i have a lot of them floating around and then i got rum cake my mom got us tortuga rum cake as well as um alcohol chocolate so it was like chocolate bars with alcohol inside the like little pieces of chocolate when you bite it it was literally like half a shot of whiskey in the bite so it's was, it was very good i finished mine the other night before uh pre-gaming for new year's eve <laughs> nice it was fun Excellent. did you guys have any special drinks that you were drinking on new year's on new year's yeah. no i mean i kind of just had i think we all we had for new year's was prosecco actually but <laughs> um i did try a really good drink the other night um which was called, they called it an Oh Wow. Um, It had 1800 coconut, um, pineapple juice, and Prosecco. And it had a garnished pineapple, and there's this nice little flower on it. And it was really good. Sounds like a fancy mimosa. It was. (laughs) And I enjoyed it very much. (laughs) We um, we had some kind of rosé champagne. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was really good. I uh, had a drink that I got my friend this like vintage cocktail book that like no one had ever heard of any of these cocktails that were in it. And we were like, these aren't real things. And I don't even remember what it was called, but it was like insanely like tart. It was like a raspberry liqueur and a lemon juice and like gin. And like, that was it. It was just like two to two to one. And it was so tart, but I was like, this tastes like a little, like, you know, the shockers candy yeah mm-hmm. that's what it tasted like so i was so i was a fan but nice anyway oh my computer went to sleep because we've been chatting oh speaking of what are you drinking are you guys drinking anything tonight i do i have the alcohol tonight what you got once. so uh the my, my my roommate who i mentioned earlier uh has decided that he's not going to be drinking any alcohol for a bit but and he had a bunch of local beer left over that he gifted unto me so i'm drinking brecken rock beer um, which is described as a malty, lightly hoppy, box-style lager beer. It's actually very good. It's it's dark and kind of sweet. It's nice. I like it. Ooh, oh, sounds nice. good. Ben? I am rehydrating. Ben, <laughs> we have one job on this podcast. It's to drink. Yeah. Like the Disney part, uh, not important. The drinking part, well, very see, important. I took that part a little overzealously last night. This so, is a uh... common theme with you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I am <laughs> trying to open my drink because my nails are really long and I don't want to break them. Um, it's a woodchuck hard cider. It's called a bubbly pear seco, and it's a it's a bubbly mm. dry cider from pears. And it's it's really good. It's like I bought a variety pack because um, I like I ha- was having friends over. And I didn't have anything to drink. And we usually, because at their house, they have like a full, like full-fledged bar. And so at my house, we have nothing ever. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I was like, I might as well get like a cider variety pack. No, everybody likes cider. Can't go wrong. And so I got this cider pack and it paid off. They have like a mimosa one and that you just like, like you tilt upside down once. And it's just like this, it tastes like a mimosa. It's really Mm. good. So would recommend woodchuck hard cider, especially the, the pear seco. All right. Moving on. Check it out. Let's talk about the news, shall we? 
Um, so the first thing on the news is a first glimpse into Snow White's Enchanted Witch. W- yep, Enchanted Witch. Enchanted Wish, which is an updated Snow White scary adventure. Right? At least that's what I could get out of it. Yeah, out of it. Yeah. Oh, great. So it sounds like um, they, I mean, I watched the video through there. They're changing the name, which is important because one of the things that that ride has been struggling with since the day it opened 66 years ago um, is that it is a scary ride. It's right there in the title. I think originally it wasn't called Snow White Scary Adventures, and then in the 70s, I may be making this up, but at some point they changed the name to Snow White Scary Adventures to better communicate that. And I think that nowadays, or, you know, from from what we've seen in the videos and the fact that they changed the name, I am assuming, I don't know this, that they are removing all of the scary elements from it. Um, and uh, for those of you at, at home, there was there's a few moments in like the second act of the ride where you're in a dark, very dark, very scary swamp, essentially. And the witch mm-hmm. just kind of pops out. Or, uh, yeah, the witch, the old lady, kind of pops out of corners and yells at you and cackles. And it's it's scary. It's not really a jump scare, but it's definitely uneasy. Um, and it's it's also a huge a huge like right turn from the the feeling that is conveyed in the first act of the the ride, um, which is. Very cheery. It's like we're inside of Snow White's house. It's nice. And we're going to go into the mine. Or is it the other way around? No, I think you go to the house into the mine. And the mine is colorful and bright. It's dark, but there's lots of colors. And there's fun um, There's there's fun characters around that are, are there and making you feel comfortable. And then suddenly you're in the Evil Queen's lair. And we've seen in the video that they still have the transformation scene, at least. Because it's super cool. It's a really nifty... It's not even a Pepper's ghost effect it's just a no it is pepper's ghost no it's not it's not a pepper's ghost effect they have a cool effect where it looks like the evil queen is looking through a mirror and in the mirror's reflection you see the reflection of the evil queen and then they turn the the figure around and it's revealed that yeah that is actually the old hag really cool effect um and then after that it goes into the, the second act of the swamp um, but what they haven't shown any footage of yet is that swamp scene. So I'm, I'm assuming that they've um, toned that down a bit. And then supposedly they also extended the third act, which is great because the third act is there they are on a hill with a cool projection effect. You turn a corner and there's a giant happily ever after and then you're out. Like, And I'm not even kidding you with that snap. It is so quick. And supposedly yeah. they discussed extending that final scene, which would be really nice because it needs it. Okay. I, I keep seeing people being like very like this seems to be like a very controversial thing. Also, did people know this was happening? Like yes. when was that announced? It was I don't remember if it was announced as it was closing, but it was definitely announced sometime towards the end of last year, if not a year ago. Because the, the ride shut down before COVID shut the park down. Right. Ride, yeah. But like, when did That's the when did the that. ride shut down? Was it like February, I think. Because like, I never heard a thing about this. So when it came out, I was like, mm-hmm. okay. But so many people are are like, like apparently this is a controversial take because it's it's one of those like you're touching waltz stuff. But it's like, but I always have issues when when people like 
are like, you're touching the sacred things or like whatever. And it's like, yes, but have you seen the <laughs> stuff that they're doing? It's not like they're getting rid of it and putting in a meet and greet. <laughs> they <laughs> updated it to fit the standard that they've now come to, to have. You know, like, and also it's another compelling argument for stopping the projection faces because that dopey projection or that pro that dopey animatronic, I like it. Yeah, it looks a lot better than the one in, in my trade. I also like the little diamond effect. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Snow White's Enchanted Wish. Um, the Ratatouille musical happened, I guess. What? Um, yeah. It was streamed. Shay, did you watch it or did you see stuff no, about it? No, I'm embarrassed to admit I didn't, especially as I am a, a, a hardcore Ratatouille fan. Um, it's my favorite Disney movie. Um, and I, I just, I kind of followed the, the history of it. And then I did listen to like a half hour compilation of all the songs at some point. It was pretty cool. And I, I honestly had meant to, but I, I didn't. But I'll also fully admit that I'm internally not watching it because i'm very very jealous that i wasn't somehow involved because i'm not a tiktok person i don't i don't do anything like that um so i would i wish i could have been somehow involved but i'm glad it's happening because the songs are great i think it makes perfect sense to turn it into a musical and disney seems to be supporting it the the only issue and i didn't watch it either um i felt followed the story because uh carly wiesel did talked about it a lot and she's a pretty prolific writer um but i the only thing i had an issue with was the fact that there were these insanely talented people that wrote the music and produced the stuff and could sing very well and disney went huh, no thank you <laughs> and kind of like i think all of them were in the ensemble for it like i think they were all involved but i was a little bit upset at the fact that like you have all these new artists that you you had the perfect opportunity to be like, we got some big names involved. Here's the people who made it happen. And I don't think they did a good, I, from what my impression, I didn't actually see it, but I don't think they chose the right amount of sharing of those people, especially in publicity. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a jaded artist who's not working. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's legit. I was really curious about how the rights of that whole thing would kind of play out and that maybe that may be disney's answer to it like hey you guys did a good job but we still own it so thanks yeah i'm sure i mean like i think they were all involved mm -hmm. i just don't know how much although like oh some of the music i was like choices but it's fine let ratatouille the musical if you're on tiktok check it out mm -hmm. <laughs> um this piece of news apparently has been like years in the making but it's just finally coming to a close there was a lawsuit at universal studios with a, uh, a man who experienced cardio cardiovascular failure after riding rang of kong and he he died so his family was suing because they claimed that he couldn't understand english so he couldn't understand the warning signs at universal which has now brought up the question of could this result in all u.s theme parks needing all of their warning signs to be in spanish and I had this moment while I was reading this and I was like, that's not a requirement, especially 
Uh, and like, even if it's not a requirement, Universal Studios, what are you doing? You're in Florida. <laughs> like, yeah, that's surprising. It's just like baffling to me because even I think even Canopy has some of their warning signs for most of their rides are in Spanish because then like it's I think maybe I'm just used to hearing the the like warning announcements in Disney being like I mm-hmm. hear it in English and then immediately know it in Spanish like I don't know much Spanish right. but I do know por favor mantenga se alejado de las puertas like come on yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it was just like baffling to me that this wasn't already a standard well they learned their lesson i hope and i'm wondering if other other places have this and and universal doesn't like what you do in universal get on that and i'm sure even if it doesn't result in a mandate for the entire country to have it i'm sure that universal studios actually since this accident has updated their their warnings i haven't been to universal studios in a while and i don't remember but i'm sure that the second it happened they were like let's fix it (laughs) yep that sounds about right so uh and then the last bit of my news here is that sea world san antonio is staying open through the winter to try to recoup some 2021 losses so that they stay open just a little bit longer and then shay you have something to share with the class i'm i'm starting a segment whenever i'm on called shay's esoterica which is some (laughs) some piece of news that from from God where. So today in Shay's Esoterica, we are going to the City of Lights, Las Vegas. Yes. Where back in the 90s, Las Vegas tried to make itself um, a destination for families. And that's why you have Circus Circus. And more importantly, you have roller coasters. Like every other um, casino has a roller coaster. My personal favorite roller coaster on the planet, at least the last time I rode it, 20 years ago was Desperado, which isn't even in um, Vegas. It's, it's, it's out in front. But I'm here to talk to you about the Manhattan Express, um, which is the roller coaster in at New York, New York, New York. Yes, the casino, which was built in the 90s. And uh, I, I've ridden it a few times. Every time I've ridden it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the bumpiest, most uncomfortable thing ever. In fact, true story, um, I wrote a spec script for a class that I was taking in undergraduate where I wrote a script for CSI about somebody dying on the Manhattan Express because it was so bumpy. Um, also, because I am forever a huge fan of CSI, in CSI season one, uh, Grissom goes on the Manhattan Express and it's the first roller coaster you see him ride. It's great. Anyway, um, there is serious damage done to the Manhattan Express because it looks like they were trying to replace the, the trains. And this is the third train system that they've ever had. And you can go and find the pictures of it uh, on the lift hill. Something went wrong in like their first test. And there's like an entire bent section of the fence and possibly even the track. And so like right now it's, you can't ride it. No way. Um, it's been closed off and on for years anyway but like nowadays you can't go on the manhattan express right i think it has a different name now but the roller coaster at new york new york because there is visible severe damage to the lift hill due to their tinkering that has been shay's esoterica thank you and we'll see you next time
<laughs> when well, thank when you, did Shannon. this happen? Recently, like the last week or so. Um, let me see where the where the story was. Uh, it happened a couple days before Christmas. Ooh. Yeah. Let me. Uh, it's it's uh, the big Apple. I was gonna say, now, is the it? They're getting a VR update. Of course they are, because no one learned their lesson in 2017. Right. That was, I remember um, the Six Flags coaster, Superman was getting, that was, that mm -hmm. was, I'm assuming somebody got very injured again. Um, and they were rebranding Bizarro back to Superman. And mm -hmm. that was their update was they were also making it a VR coaster. And I was like, I don't know if I want that. And I haven't been to Six Flags since it's been Bizarro, but like. Yeah, I, I actually wrote it as a VR coaster and as when it wasn't a VR coaster. And how was your experience? It was, it was interesting. I didn't, I could have lived without it, <laughs> to be honest. And then the next time I went back, they didn't even offer it. So I'm not even sure they saw it. I don't think it. they do because I don't think it was a successful. Yeah, I don't think it was very well received. Yeah, no. I remember it was, it was the summer of 17 when Six Flags rolled out VR coasters at like all of their parks. Um, the, my, my local park at the time, Magic Mountain, had one on the American Revolution, the first uh, looping coaster ever. And I, I didn't get to write it because I wasn't, I don't remember why, but I didn't get to write it as VR. But this is a true story. Um, the, they, one of their big sells for their Halloween overlay that year is we're going to have a Halloween VR version. Okay, so that's fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween VR version. Have I told you guys this? I can't remember who I told it's hilarious it's halloween vr version of our roller coaster come on by and ride it it was open for one day <laughs> and then suddenly the vr was gone and vr itself never appeared on american revolution ever again because it had the regular version and then the halloween version and <laughs> it's never been confirmed but the rumor that i heard and i totally believe it is that you know when when you're when you're doing these roller coasters you need to sync up the visual with the coaster, oh, right? Yep. You need to hit play at the right time. And Six Flags at least Magic Mountain has these different zones all over the park that are called scare zones and they are full of fog. One of these zones was located actually up above the lift hill for American Revolution because it's a big mountain, it's a giant hill. So one of the scare zones was on the path up the hill. And so what was happening was they had all this fog in the scare zone, the fog, flowed down the hill and like got in the way of the play trigger. And so the video would start at like the wrong time and people were just getting nauseated and vomiting and having all kinds of crazy, you know, just like they were over the summer, but it was even worse because sometimes it just straight up wasn't playing. I can't imagine what a VR coaster would do to like my little tummy because <laughs> like I this is uh, this is a thing that I so I believe firmly that me going on a cruise in 20 whenever 12 triggered my motion sickness like I'm fully convinced because I was not a person to get sick before this and when I went on the cruise I got horribly sick for like three days then I got used to being on a boat um and I but I still wore like those c-bands little things that like help you mm -hmm. with whatever pressure points whatever it is but then the next time I noticed I started getting motion sick, 
was when I went to Six Flags and I got sick after I rode Bizarro. I made it off the ride, <laughs> but I got really sick. And so like, I can't even imagine what a VR coaster would do to me. Like what, if, if Flight of Passage makes me a little bit dizzy, I, I could not, I would not make it yeah. through a VR coaster. I also, as we were just talking about it, realized that I have not been to Six Flags for five years. That's a long time. I always yeah, intend to go out every summer and then it's just I'm working at another big name and by big name I mean small name amusement park and I don't have time <laughs> off because I'm a busy little bean. Yeah I think I went last year. Also these these pictures of this damage it's wacky. I can't yeah. find it. I'll send you the link. Um, but anyways yes that's, that's the, the news. news. Um, we will be right back after this fun ad. Hey everyone, I just wanted to tell you about our new partnership with ScribbleScript Studio. ScribbleScript is an independently owned small business specializing in custom lettering designs. The artist behind it, Emma, is located in the Orlando area and frequently she can be found visiting the parks for inspiration. Some of my favorite stickers are her Happily Ever After Dumbo sticker and her Tower of Terror suitcase. So check her out on Instagram. Make sure you let her know that Q2Q sent you. And if you're looking for some fun stickers to put on your laptop or your favorite water bottle, make sure you check out her Etsy shop at Scribble Script Studio and use the code Q spelled just like the podcast at checkout for 15% off your order today. That's code Q Q U E U E spelled just like the podcast for 15% off your order at Scribble Script Studios. And we're back. Yes, we are. We are back. What a great ad. You know, it really grows on you. <laughs> Drinking games, hit one back. <laughs> Guaranteed drink every time. Yep. Um, so this week, uh, like every time Shay is on, except for the, that one time, uh, we are or twice, I guess. You've been on twice when we did oh, yeah, yeah. Ten Commandments. Sure. Actually, I think you mentioned Ten Commandments the first time. So yeah, love for that idea. So we're talking about Mickey's Ten Commandments, and we are on Commandment number eight. So we're we're running low. <laughs> We're running out of time. Um, this commandment is avoid contradictions and maintain identity. So if you're new to the Ten Commandments series, what the ten what Mickey's Ten Commandments are is a set of guidelines for design created by um, the late great Marty Sklar. And it's just ten rules in which designers should bear in mind when they're creating attractions. I think that's a pretty good summary of that. What do you think? Anything to add? No, no, that's it. If you haven't listened to them, go back and listen because they're worth it. Yes, this is now episode eight of Ten Commandments. So this week we're going to talk about avoiding contradictions and maintaining maintaining identity, like I said. And really the idea of this is just to make sure that you're still putting out the big picture that you wanted to be when you when you look at the big thing. So make sure there's no things that pull away from focus or distract from that big picture um, or identity of an attraction. And I think identity is a, is a big important word in this commandment of like, what is the actual thing, what you're doing? And it does everything that you design and fit into it match the identity of the attraction you're trying to make. So in Marty Sklar's book, One Little Spark, he talks about um, these two concepts, which are the mouse car and the goof. And they are awards that he has decided to grant to the best and the worst 
um, example of these commandments. And the mouse car is an actual award that Walt Disney has made to award his Imagineers and designers with things that he thinks exemplify the the, the Disney idea of of design. And I don't think it was just for designers or Imagineers. I think it was also for like animators and you know various people. But um, in his in Sklar's book, he talks about he gives one example of a mouse car and one of the goof, which is one that doesn't so well hold up to Disney as a brand. So in the book, he talks about Shanghai Disneyland as a whole being the mouse car for this commandment of avoiding contradictions and maintaining identity. Um, and he gives it specifically to Shanghai for its cultural sensitivity and advanced planning. Um, and in his book, he talks about the difference between Shanghai was such the, was the newest park that Disney has, and they put, paid so much attention to the, the Chinese culture. And I'm actually going to read the, an excerpt from Bob Weiss, because I think it, he says it better than I could ever summarize it. So be warned, it long. Here we go, friends. Uh, so the question that was asked was, how do you plan to maintain identity with Disney traditions when the cultural differences are so pronounced in Chinese mainland? And his response was, one thing we learned from you, Sklar, is know your audience. In this case of China, that initially meant reaching out and trying to get to know a culture that was so, that we as Americans really knew nothing about. So in the early stages, we spent a lot of time traveling, going to as many good and bad tourism spots, hotels, museums, and other public venues as we could. They also did plain home visits and we did not design by committee, but they listened to what seemed to work and what needed, what needed too much explanation. So Western and Frontier, for instance, didn't play for anybody in Shanghai. Neither did trains and things, things like that. Pirates was critiqued as too passive and boring. And we contacted several travel companies and got student groups visiting the United States and Disneyland to meet with us to talk about their experiences. So they went so far to ask visitors of the American parks that came from Shanghai and the greater Shanghai area, what worked for them when visiting an American park? And what didn't work so that they could tailor their park experience to, to them. And I guess this even goes right into the goof, which is the la, la visionarium. I don't know the words, I don't speak French, but it was basically the French timekeeper, which was a, was a, show in when did it end the 90s the late 90s i'm not sure when the timekeeper ended it was a show yeah oh really i think so maybe it wasn't i thought i'm was not sure full, i thought it was fully original oh well hold on there there was a web series and Wait. i don't know i will just carry on with with finishing out this thought of yeah. uh, Shanghai was praised in a way that they then compared to um, in Euro Disney, they wanted to create this, this attraction that was similar to the American version, but France wanted an attraction that was very French. They wanted to ideal, like, like talk about like, this is France, this is our park, you're building a park here. But in China, in Tokyo and Hong Kong, the visitors majority, like the majority of the visitors to those parks are from those cultures. They tend to be a very homogenistic um, audience, but in 
uh, Disneyland Paris or at the time Euro Disney when they came out with this this ride most visitors to Euro Disney were not just French it was supposed to be the European Disney Park it was very accessible to other Europe like European countries so that attraction did very poorly because it was too French and it was replaced by our favorite Buzz Lightyear <laughs> which again is the only attraction that is in every single Disney park and I like that fun fact because it's the best ride um but he also discusses later they learned from that lesson and the key example he gives is the Ratatouille ride which at the time when this book was written it like barely opened which is funny to me because it's now about to open it uh, Disney World, but they use Ratatouille as an example because when you ride Ratatouille in Paris, the dialogue is written so that it's a conversation between the French and the English. So the, everything that is said in French is not repeated, but said again in a con, like an confirming way to the French, which I think is fun. So if one person, let me see exact the exact example he used because I liked it. It what, said what? that what. Good. It says that one character would say, let's go this way. And the other character would say, okay, we're going this way. So wow. it's like, so it's like, if you speak both languages, yeah, it's not uncomfortable because it's repeating. It was, so I remember when I went to, to Euro Disney or, or Disneyland Paris, that I noticed uh, in two different occasions, how they handled the language. And I've never, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm guessing these were both results of this realization because the the two that I remember were the um, the, uh, the 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 backlot tour that they had over in the studios park, which was hosted by Jeremy Irons. Speaking of timekeeper, Jeremy Irons and some French lady, um, and Jeremy Irons only spoke English, and the French lady only spoke French, and they shared the narration um and it, it, they, they spoke on a little video that was in front of your your chair and they would just they would just go back and forth they wouldn't repeat what they said but whenever jeremy irons talked there were french subtitles and whenever the lady talked there were english subtitles and then i also noticed that their their version of uh, the nighttime castle projection show which was called i think at that time it was still celebrate the magic or whatever the french version was was a show hosted by Peter Pan and Wendy. Um, and because Peter Pan and Wendy are crazy popular in France. Um, and it was the same thing where I think it was Peter Pan spoke English and Wendy spoke French, but along like a lot like the Ratatouille ride, th there were no subtitles to that. It was just, you could kind of figure out what was going on with the story because of the conversation they were having. It was really cool. Yeah, and I think I've never, obviously I've never been to the the Asian parks, but I believe the Asian parks are entirely in their native languages. Yeah. Beca because, and I think it's similar of like the visitorship over in the Asian parks is very homogenous. It's like Disneyland versus Disney World. Disney World is mostly international tourists while Disneyland is mostly locals. So like it's comparative to that with Euro Disney or I guess Disneyland Paris, Disneyland Paris and the Asian parks because it's like it's that kind of thing of like they couldn't be an entirely french park because one europe is small 
And two, most of their visitors, French isn't the language they speak. It's just, I think it's so interesting to see the difference between them. So, like I said, the goof was the French version of the timekeeper at Euro Disney, which was quickly replaced by Buzz Lightyear, as everything should be. I agree. Whole part of Buzz Lightyear. Um, thank you for our listeners for making that our like number one listen to episode. I think that's funny. That's awesome. <laughs> Everybody wants to know. Shay, I don't know if you knew we did an entire episode about how to be a galactic hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was a good one. <laughs> so let's move into what I like to call our opinion section of this, where we just talk about what we feel and our passions. So it is now again the time. It hasn't been brought up in a while, but it's now the time again for me to say, fuck the magic carpets of Aladdin. <laughs> because yeah. I believe that... Marty Scalar is incorrect and in that this is the absolute goof of this commandment. I've said it many times. Most people know my high horse on this attraction. I think that Adventureland is a beautiful, well-constructed land. And I think, yes, there are different things going on in Adventureland. And, like, one can argue that Pirates also brings you out of, like, the jungle idea of Adventureland and the mystique of Adventureland. But I think the thing that brings you most out of this mystique is is Dumbo Part 3 in the Magic Kingdom. It's just, it's, I think the issue that I have really with the Magic Carpets of Aladdin is it's an off-the-shelf carnival ride. And so it's like, you could have done so many other cool things with the Aladdin IP. It's one of the most popular. It's one of the favorite, like, I would say it's a cult, but it's not because a lot of people really like put, will put Aladdin on their, one of their top five lists, if not top five, top 10. But you've given them this eyesore of an attraction in the middle of one of the most beautifully curated lands. And you've congested that part of the park. Because now there's no flow in that in that land. That's that's how I feel. Anybody yeah. else got anything to add about magic carpets? Because I hate them. No, I think we've kind of beaten that horse to death. To be honest, <laughs> I, I don't I don't hate that it's there because I think especially with the marketplace that they designed around it it almost feels like it belongs but i but i do hate the noise because whenever that ride stops you hear it and you yeah. hear it all over adventureland if you're in frontierland in the right spot you hear it and yeah. that takes me out because that reminds me that yeah it's a cheap carnival ride um, like, I, I think I, I agree with you that it does kind of dumb it up, but I, again, I just I would be I, I don't think I'm, I'm, as, I'm as against it as you are, but yeah, just put some oil on there. I know it's probably more complicated than that, but whatever you got to do to fix it, guys, because it's so bad. Yeah. Um, That's a nightmare. Oh, do, you, do you want me to tell you why, why Pirates belongs in Adventureland? Sure. 
Actually, that is relevant to this. I so, like Pirates in Adventureland, so. Yeah, look, it, it's great because Pirates, um, so Adventureland itself is is a story of not a place, but of adventures. That's why it's called Adventureland. It's not called Frontierland. Frontierland is the American frontier. Adventures is a different place at the frontier, specifically the, oh gosh, what was it called? It was Walt Disney's, there was a TV show. Adventures, the, the, the real life adventures Yeah, or that's it, that's it, real life adventures. So it's based off of real life adventures, which goes to different places all over the world and does crazy things. So their front half, front part of Adventureland is um, colonial Africa. And then you move into the oasis in Arabia, take your pick. And then you go into Polynesia and then you go into the Caribbean. Because again, all over the pirates area, there's stuff that looks like you're in the Caribbean now. These were all places that mm-hmm. he went with his TV show. So it makes sense. The real life adventures uh, is exactly that. All that filming is what brought me to probably the most prolific movie that I watched in my childhood, which was Saludos Amigos. <laughs> And I hadn't realized how often I watched it until my sister and I were watching it a, like a couple months ago. And both of us were just like quoting the entire thing. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize we watched this all the time. And my mom was like, you watched it repeatedly on same day. You would watch it two or three times a day. <laughs> I was like, yikes. Yeah, I can do Sorry, that. Sorry, ma'am. Many, many movies. We also watched The Three the Caballeros movie. quite often. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um. I want to talk about the debate, and I'm calling it a debate because I think some work and some don't. Pop-up shows at Hollywood Studios. Whichever ones are left. Uh, what? Whichever ones are left. Well, well, what are you referring to specifically? I'm talking about like historically pop-up shows in Hollywood Studios, and do they work? I'm still not sure what you're referring to, so give me an example. Um, so we'll start, like, you can start with the classic, of course it works because it fits the theme of the park, which is the citizens of Hollywood would be the first one that's like, absolutely works. They're citizens of Hollywood. They are, they talk and only reference things that happened before 1939 and they're great because they're some of the greatest improv actors I've ever seen, honestly. Um, (laughs) but let's talk about the first one that comes to mind is the Star Wars ones (laughs) in front of the grand the grandma's chinese theater i hate those shows Honestly, why do you hate them i don't like them because nothing really happens it's just like a little it's like here look at this star wars character and now he's gone so as far as this commandment though ben avoiding contradictions and maintaining identity <laughs> what do you think like what do you think about uh, that perspective uh, i don't know i mean like personally i, I kind of think it's out of place in front of the chinese theater i mean like yeah put that show in galaxy's edge it makes a little more sense but not just in main street i'm not even saying i like it but <laughs> i see a shay what do you want to add what do you want to add to this uh well so first of all good news for everyone is those shows aren't there anymore um oh, thank god yeah they they pulled them out uh, i think after like right before mickey and minnie's rally railway opened but um, yeah, the shows aren't great. I know that the staff members used to call them, quote, sorry, the cast members used to call them, quote, the Star Wars fashion shows. Um, but if we're going to move them anywhere, don't move it to Galaxy's Edge, because Galaxy's Edge is a place. So in order to avoid contradiction, you can move it someplace where, where 
you just have random Star Wars characters, which would either be over in front of Star Tours or, Star Tours, yep. or inside of um, Launch Bay somewhere. Which that's part of the thing. Originally, I know they used to do like a, before character cavalcades were a thing, basically a character cavalcade of getting the characters to Launch Bay. That was a thing that happened. But I just thought that it was like, I always, one, like, it's the whole, like, you removed your big icon so you could see your other icon because you didn't like your old icon. And then you put a giant TV screen for Star Wars in front of your icon for your part. I'm confused. Yeah. But I just, like, like, specifically with the Star Wars one, it was like, one, you're in the way. <laughs> like, I, I, I've never liked those shows in the middle of that plaza because mm-hmm. it always felt like you were causing congestion for no reason, especially with the, the Stormtrooper with what's-her-name because, like, there was no way to get around that show. They right. took up the entire walkway and made like and then guests would be piled up on the walkway like the sidewalk in which they're expecting you to walk on and now it's like oh great so if i don't make it where i need to be before stormtroopers walk by i'm stuck here for 10 minutes i hated that but even going back further i don't know how much i mean i think all three of us watch defunct land but i'm not sure how much you've seen about like or, or even like the offhands or the expedition theme parks or all those, they talk about like shows you didn't know happened at Disney. And like even going further back to Hollywood Studios or MGM, there was a Goosebumps show. Really? Back in the day, there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show. There was a Power Rangers show. I do like, remember the Power Rangers show. Yeah, there were shows, there were parades. Like they were absolutely ridiculous. And it was like, Disney, what you doing, pal? What are you guys, what you guys doing? <laughs> like, and like, even going back to like high school musical shows, it's like, those ones kind of make more sense. But I don't know. Did you guys ever see those? Like the, like pop-up shows in front of, specifically I'm talking about the pop-up shows in front of the, the theater. I don't think so. No, I never saw any of those. Just the just Star Wars, and I'm sure I was there in the Frozen Summer Fun, which was sort of in between the the hat coming down and the Star Wars going up. So I saw. Oh some yeah. There. I learned from some people who were in the shows department at that time that that summer was chaotic. <laughs> because they were like oh wow we didn't know we were like oh it's some like you know the small movie we have coming out in november it's just about like this ice queen or whatever but it's not gonna be that big like they did no one in disney anticipated frozen being successful at all like they didn't even think they were gonna make money off of frozen they were like all right we're gonna do it it's gonna be great here we are (laughs) seven years later um but yeah, I heard that Frozen Summer of Fun was like insane because they had so many things happening for that that year. Did you so you saw the Frozen stuff or any some of it? Yeah. It was just like a little parade, people dancing around, ice skating, said with his air quotes that I know people on the podcast can't see. Um and 
yeah, they just kind of came out, did a little show. I think there was a little stage set up in the same place that the, the Star Wars one was set up, and then they sort of skated back. Because at that point, the Hyperion Theater didn't have the sing-along. The sing-along was way in the back next to the Streets of America. Um, there was another theater back there. There was another theater back there? Yeah. Um, it, it got torn down for, for Star Wars as well. I don't remember what it was called, but it was way in that corner. I do not remember there being another theater there at all. Yep. I vaguely remember, but I never went into it. It, it was, it, it had, you know, it was one of those all-purpose theaters. So the original Frozen sing-along was very similar to the one they have now. They moved into the new one, you know, they updated the, the lights and everything, but they also added the projection effects on the side, which is pretty cool. I've never actually seen the Frozen Sing Long, and I keep people tell me that I'm missing out. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great actually because the two, like, it's super cheesy, but the two hosts are what make it because their their characters are fully aware of how cheesy this whole thing is, and they ham it up. I don't know how much of a leash they have in terms of their content because it's different every time. They improv probably forty percent of it. Um, and that's that's the they those people are there for the parents who have to sit while their children sing along. I actually like a lot of people have like opinions and like a lot of people have opinions on Frozen in the parks, and I think that the sing along is like the least offensive version of Frozen <laughs> I've ever seen. Because if you if you don't care, you you don't care. Like you can walk past it. Like it's not even like screaming at your face that here's Frozen. It's mm-hmm. a marquee and it's it's a theater. The only and like even the Olaf meet and greet is tucked away in the back. It, it's I think it is truly a very good version of Frozen because it's just like move along if you don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really not intrusive. That's good. I like that. Yes. Um, there's a there's a show we should have. There is Frozen presence in Epcot for their meet and greet. There's Frozen Presence in Magic Kingdom for the various shows. There's Frozen Presence in Hollywood Studios for the various shows. How would you add Frozen to Animal Kingdom? I think it's pretty obvious. It's We fixed the Yeti and it's Elsa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a that's thought. I was thinking Sven's reindeer encounter or something like that. But no, <gasps> Wait, you, that's you hit the cute. nail on the head. No, but I like yours better. <laughs> uh, no, I think I like yours better. <laughs> Just put Elsa's face on Disco Yeti and we're good okay, to go. Okay, but practicality-wise, I like your idea better. At like <laughs> Planet Watch, it's like Kristoff's and Kristoff and Sven's reindeer encounter. That's adorable. Oh my god, that'd be awesome. Oh, so we god, did it. Gosh, we did it, knows that Q to Q really likes meeting reindeer. That's true. We we sure do. That was like, okay. So total uh, non sequitur here. That was a weird thing that I discovered at all of the Christmas events that I went to here in Tennessee. Every single one of them was like, here's a reindeer. It's like a fenced-in area with a reindeer in it. Every Just single one. one. Just yeah. one reindeer? One or two reindeer. Like, here you go. Like, thanks. Huh. You're not feeding. Like, like, you can feed it, and it's just kind of there. Like, And I went to probably four different little Christmas events. Every single one. I, did, that, did that happen in New Hampshire? I just never noticed? Or, no, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. The only reindeer I've ever seen in New England were in Santa's Village. Yeah. But like, Tennessee, every like, reindeer time. 
Okay, anyway, moving on. I think, well, okay, hold on. No, I'm fixated on this reindeer thing now. Um, I feel like it's because Tennessee doesn't get as cold as we do. And I feel like it's just like we, I think we have more Christmas vibe in the first place. Like, like the song I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, except this year, you don't usually have to ask. It's just there. (laughs) Um, This year it was raining and warm and it was uncomfortable. But just like um, the rest of 2020. (laughs) Exactly. Somebody was like, somebody tweeted about like, if I, if I'd never seen anything more 2020, it's raining and 60 degrees on Christmas in New England. But um, yeah, no reindeers, not a thing that just happen in New England. Okay. Oh no, what's Miko doing? Well, she just tried to get on my chair, but instead of jumping on my chair, she decided to jump on my leg and try to climb up it, and it did not feel good. Mm. No, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Muppets as an entity in the Disney parks and how, one, how do we feel about them existing currently in any form at any park, and two, how we feel we can incorporate them better. Um, I like the Muppet attracting Muppet Vision 3D. I like that. I think it definitely belongs in Hollywood Studios. It's hilarious. It's aged really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually has, yeah. Yeah. And and now that they've kind of vaguely themed that whole area, Muppet's Courtyard, it actually feels like it belongs even more now. Um, I am okay with great moments in history even though that's kind of gone sort of that's that's the muppet thing over at magic kingdom uh next to the hall of presidents because that is definitely something that sam eagle would do Mm -hmm. um i think they're staying honest to the muppet characters and how the stories are told um and you know the whole point of that section of liberty square is to educate people on american history which is exactly what they're doing um i liked the muppets mobile lab i wish it was still i loved muppets mobile lab yeah um i really don't like the regal eagle oh Uh, i forgot that was a thing yeah because because that's not something that Sam Eagle would do. I, I, I think he might create like a presentation celebrating American barbecue, the most American food form. I don't think he would open a restaurant and I definitely don't think he would open a restaurant in the American adventure because it's sharing a building with one of the most honest hopeful and genuine American presentations ever. And then you walk out and you look to your right and there's a vaguely Muppet themed barbecue thing. Yeah. I think you're you're right. I think it the American Adventure Pavilion needed a barbecue restaurant because that was a thing that like always bothered me. It was like, here's the American food. It's cheeseburgers and hot dogs and bad pizza. And so like I like the the, the fact that they <laughs> escalated they escalated the American Pavilion 
with a barbecue like a distinctly this is an american style of food and i've never even thought about it because i used to be like all american food is bad we don't have food and then like what as you were talking i was like no barbecue is americans food yeah i agree with that i so i think that was a good choice but i do agree with you that muppets was a bad choice Mm -hmm. there was i feel like there's so many other characters and feels if you were gonna shoehorn a character in that you could have gone with for the american adventure call it ichabods you know like there's a lot of different things to do with it ben were you going to say something no so i was going to agree ben how would you add muppets to animal kingdom quick yeah Are, are we going to turn um, the Yeti into uh, animal? Turn, yes. I, I was thinking something that had to do with animal. Um, <laughs> disco animal. It's the animal kingdom. It's, a- <gasps> it's literally already animal kingdom. Animals animal kingdom. The Muppets present Dino Land. Uh, oh, that would Lord. be Dino Land. Muppet yeah. Land. <laughs> because it would be... Anim- it would be literally the little overlay that they have done with Donald Duck with the with the dinosaurs thing, but it would le- we would learn like animal was somehow related to di- like he was the only like known descendant of like one species of dinosaurs, which yeah. is why he's still very primitive. I can see that. Um, and then it's still Dinorama, but it's this thing. And then you could turn that then dinosaur now has a distinctly Muppet vibe because it's. Bunsen and Beaker. It's the Dino oh Institute. Yes. And wow, yes. I fixed Dino Land, everybody. Wow. <laughs> it finally makes sense to my I little can't brain. You fixed Dino Land. <laughs> but now we have to bring back Primeval World. And it's just Beaker's Primeval World. Yeah, but I fixed Dino Land, and that's all. That yeah. You just strap Beaker to the side of every Primeval World car, and he's just screaming the whole time. Oh my God, quick. We have 24 hours to make a graphic. Yep. <laughs> Save Primeval World, put Beaker on it. Guys, we did it. <laughs> anyway, that's how I would put Muppets into Animal Kingdom. How would you put Muppets into Animal Kingdom, Shay? Oh, God. Oh. Uh, honestly, I don't think I can do any better than your idea. I think may- maybe maybe Animal is the Yeti or, uh, or let's say Sweetums because he's like the biggest one. <laughs> Sweetums Yeti. Yeti. Oh my god. (laughs) The highlight of my life was me asking very, very, very nicely with also apologizing at the same time and being like, if it can't happen, it's okay. But me very asking insanely nicely if I could meet Sweetums during Muppet Vision. So what like the the story that happened, and like this is not a thing that they let people do typically. Um, this was me asking very, very nicely. And I had very, very generous cast members that day. And obviously with COVID, that's not a thing anymore anyway. Um, but I asked the cast member at the front, I was like, is there any chance that Sweetums can come out for a hug today? And she was like, I don't know if I can make that happen, but I'll see if I can talk to somebody. So she goes away, does the cast member thing that cast members do. And she comes back and she was like, I don't know if it can happen. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And then I was going to go watch the show anyway. So me and Mike go and stand in the pre-show room and the cat, a different cast member comes up to me and she just goes, hey, so at the end of the pre-show, just like hang out here for a little bit. Like don't go into the theater, just hang out here. And so if you remember from the show, Sweetums comes in from the right 
the left hand side of the of the house so he's on stage right coming through that door and he walks across and he does a little back and forth and he walks out the same door that door is actually connected to the pre-show room so like if you it's a busy day when you're watching muppets sweetums while he's waiting for his cue will come out and like interact with people while they're filling that room and like interact but like no pictures or whatever they just do it but like on it was a slow day it was january there was nobody there and they had held the people before the next show so that i could get a little meet and greet with sweetums and i got pictures and he's the little cuddliest guy i've ever like hugged in my life it's like i've never hugged chewbacca but i assume it is very similar to hugging chewbacca and it was like the highlight of my whole life i have a picture i'll I'll definitely share it it was like you can see the genuine excitement and joy on my face as i'm hugging sweetums like (laughs) so great that's so awesome um so going off of that the sweetums as yeti idea um the only other way i can think to incorporate it is have the muppets take over and i know this completely derails all of joe Rody's fabulous hard work to have the muppets take over the queue line for um expedition everest and then start like <laughs> telling like the tale of the yeti and like oh you might see him and, like they point over and go oh there he is now and then it's sweetums walking like pretending to be the yeti and this <laughs> it's like what was supposed to be the great muppet movie ride yeah and then, uh, and then you get on the ride, and there's actual Yeti, and you're like, "Oh, well, I didn't sign up for this." <laughs> I love the idea. I really love the idea because there was there was supposed to be like originally with all the Muppet attractions, there were supposed to be I think two more on top of Muppet Vision originally, and then when after Jim Henson passed, there was a ton of like there was like a halt in development, and then it was just tabled. Um, but I love the idea of redoing almost every attraction, but Muppify it. <laughs> like, I just love that, that idea. And that's a, that's a, that's a meme that goes around on the internet of like, take, take a movie, keep one actor, everybody else is Muppets. Which actor are you keeping? Go. Oh my God. And the one that I keep getting stuck on is Les Mis. It's because it's like, <laughs> yes, Les Mis is the Muppets, but who do you keep? I think you keep. Like everybody's like, well, obviously Sam the Eagle has to be Javert. And I'm like, but wouldn't you also want Javert to be there and be surrounded by Muppets? <laughs> <laughs> All I know for sure is that, oh, what was it? It was, Go- it was Gonzo. Gonzo was, oh, cause I think it was Gonzo was, was Valjean. I think that was the, the, the casting I came up with. I was like, oh, I Lord. think Gonzo has to be Valjean. But is is a fun time it's it, as a hobby just pick a movie and muppify it maybe that can be our next bonus episode is we all muppify a movie um actually i'm totally down with that oh uh cool can you send us your resume and i was like i worked for you for two and a half months last year for sure and then and then i asked questions of like what's exactly is the schedule and blah 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 details and they were like thanks for your resume we'll be in touch and I was like answer my questions maybe even if you don't know the answer to the schedule like tell me that you don't know the answer yeah I don't know and I hit that good good record button let's finish this out let's do it with the segment that I like to call Ben sits idly by while we discuss Universal Studios my favorite part (laughs) really I just love to learn (laughs) so the next thing i wanted to talk about on this list was 
why Universal Studios mixed between studios and theming hurts them for this commandment. Okay. So I've never been to Universal Studios in, in Hollywood or in Singapore or Japan, but from what I know about Hollywood, I would put them at like this the middle ground of doing a good job with this. And I, I want to start leading with the bad example of avoiding contradiction because Universal Studios Orlando, like that park, just as a park, just the one park, not islands, just Universal Studios, has this weird balance between studio and themed entertainment. Because originally they set out to be the studios park of we're going to show you how to do movies behind the scenes and you're going to go into sound stages and watch these shows or presentations or how special effects work. And like almost every show had a pre-show that showed you how we make the movie and then you're going to ride the movie. And that was supposed to be the theme of Universal Studios. Now they had a couple exceptions to that, but like even like even the Jaws ride was some somewhat of a like very self-aware of the fact that it was a special effects ride situation. But as the standard of what a theme park is progressed, Universal started changing into like, cause even I'll even go back, back to the future and the Simpsons have the exact same show building, the exact same ride system. Everything is the same, except that the theming is different. But when you walk into the Simpsons part of the land, it is highly themed to be Springville. Yet when you walked past Back to the Future, it was a show building. <laughs> E.T. is the same. E.T. is a show building that you walk into and they give you a presentation. The queue is killer, but it's still a show building. And you go through that whole originally because they changed the pre-show of et but originally the pre-show was you're an extra in et here's what goes into making et you're going to be in the movie here you go and so they switched over to doing springfield they've moved into harry potter it's that like you walk through london and like it doesn't feel like a set which i think was originally the purpose of what what studios was supposed to be it was like when you walked through new york and Hollywood, it was like, you're on set in this created town or city because they were mimicking, I assume, Universal City in in Hollywood of like, if you were gonna take a tour of Universal Studios in Hollywood, you walk through these already fabricated sets and that's what they were mimicking. But I think now that they've shifted in the studios park to these highly themed sections, it's kind of, not quite working for me i guess how do you feel uh oh man it might just be the simpsons for me because it's a cartoon and not saying the simpsons isn't well done i think just for this situation of like the rest of the park is very real i can walk into that environment humans live there yeah and it might just be the simpsons to me because i think i think springfield is really well done actually i think springfield is really thorough i think they saw out a lot of details i'm not a huge simpsons fan i'm actually not a i don't know much about the simpsons at all but well i can walk into that area and i can see like 
there's a ton of references to the show in there. And that was the show 10 years ago. They got, you know, that was only 15 years of content then. Um, and so I, I think I mean, we, we've had this discussion before and we were, I think on the other opposite sides where I didn't like the story that, that studios was telling anymore. Um, and, but since you, since your justification then was that like, these are all movies and we are all in the movies. We're not making them anymore. We're in them now. That's kind of where I'm at, which is, yeah, this is the mummy section. This is the Harry Potter section. Um, it's not as streamlined as we would like it to be, but, um, but I think, I mean, I think probably the part of the, part of the park that is the least the, the least genuine to the rest of the park the, the, the one that contradicts the entire park is Diagon Alley right that's yeah. that's I like a huge thing about like yeah yeah you're in the movie yeah it's the cool I will stand by it the greatest themed <laughs> entertainment i've ever walked into yeah i agree but that's i think where it contradicts itself here of i think like i used to say that i love the charm of universal studios because it still was reminiscent of that studio city situation of like you walked to and from different movie sets and like yeah you walk into harry potter's movie set but almost too much <laughs> And I also think, I also think it sounds weird to be like, it's not Harry Potter's fault, but I think the additive of Harry Potter has also created a weird problem for Universal because it's the only IP that people really care about that they own or they have the rights to. So it's like, it's, it, there's always so many people in Harry Potter world and it bleeds into other sections of the park a little bit and I think that's a little bit not so fun it's like the whole Walt created the Utilidors or he wanted the Utilidors so that you wouldn't see somebody else in a different land it's like when you see somebody walking around the streets of New York in a wizarding robe I guess it's not unfamiliar anymore because we now have Fantastic Beasts but you know it's a little weird I don't know. What do you think? I have never been to, the, to Hollywood. You have. Yeah. How do you think Hollywood does on this? Um, I don't know. We, 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 because it does still feel like an actual movie park because it is an actual movie park because it still actually makes movies there. Um, even though it feels very separated now, I, I think intentionally. Um, I don't know that that part. There's just so many things going on in that part, and the they they open up the secret. Yeah, so now they have a Secret Life of Pets ride, which doesn't fit into their like New York City section really at all. Um, but I don't know. It's just it's such a weird part because it is so segmented. Do you know that at that park you have to take a five-minute escalator ride in order to get from one side of the park to the other? 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and and that's, I don't know, that's something that, that they could use to their advantage, but they don't because it's, 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 it's lower lot and upper lot, I think, are the, the names of the lands, you know? And they don't even, at least in islands, they try to theme Jurassic and Kong like they belong in the same place. But in studios, it's like, here's Jurassic, here's Mummy, here's um, Transformers. They're all in the lower lot. Thumbs up. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think it does as good a job. I think it sort of rides on the idea of, um, of it being a studio park and sort of uses that. I was going to say, I don't think that so much attention to detail goes into Hollywood due to the fact that they ride on the historical accuracy of the fact that they were the first studio park. Like, they they were doing tours before there was even speaking in their movies. Like, yeah. they, they are, they, they cornered that market originally. And that's what they are. And I think they ride on that still, which like, that's the only reason I want to get out to Universal Studios Hollywood. I've never, I mean, now I think, like, I would love to do the Super Nintendo World situation that's happening over there. But um, the only reason I would want to go out there is to do that their studio tour because it just looks so incredible, especially because I missed the backlot tour, but which was yeah. a direct ripoff. Good job. <laughs> um, and then let's talk about islands and how I think it does an insanely well job at avoiding contradictions and and like I think they they exemplify this commandment of here we are. We are we are separate lands with different adventures. <laughs> Have a great time. Um, I'm trying to think of like a bad example in islands, and I can't even think of it. Maybe the lost continent and what it's fallen to pieces as, but even then, I think it is truly finite in what it is. And the transition is clean between them and Potter World. Yeah. Even though there's like nothing there anymore, because I don't think Poseidon's Fury is opened back up again, which is a I damn am. shame. Because I love that attraction. I know that that tra- attraction is horribly outdated, and that's what I love about it. Um. But let's close out with talking about the point of show awareness, Shay. Yeah, so um, so show awareness was the department that I worked for in Walt Disney Imagineering. And it's very hard to explain what the department does because it does a lot of different things. But when we were starting to talk about this particular commandment, I realized this is exactly what show awareness was created to do, was to avoid contradictions because... Um, the, the example that we like to use a lot, and that's why I'm going to talk about it because I've heard my boss talk about it in, in public, former boss uh, in public, was um, the Haunted Mansion, which is one of the problems that we tried in show awareness very hard to fight was that cast members at Haunted Mansion wouldn't 
treat the Haunted Mansion as a retirement home for ghosts. They would treat it as Walt Disney's Haunted Mansion, a ride in Magic Kingdom. And um, we would do spot checks and go through, and the cast members might not do the spiel just right, but more importantly, they would also be like, hey, while you're waiting, here's a fun fact. Did you know that there's uh, six different Pepper's Ghosts? Uh, effects inside of this and that we can service this you know they would start talking about the, the effects which we definitely should not be talking about because the cast members have a role and that's why they're called cast members they're not called staff members because their role is they are maids and butlers at this retirement home for ghosts and they're inviting guests in so the same thing for the the the, the pirate they're not pirates in parts of the Caribbean. They're pirate descendants um, who are bringing people in. And so that is the point of show awareness is to, be, is to know that there is a story we are trying to tell, and it is our job to help the cast members in whatever way we possibly can not contradict that story. We want to make sure that we are all telling the same story. And it's, it's tough because... The stories of some of the resorts is this is a resort at Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. Some and some of them, like um, uh, Grand Floridian, that's not the story. Or or um, most of the Vacation Club resorts, that's not the story. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them, that's that's it. You know, this this is a Riviera style resort that is at Walt Disney World. And that's okay, as long as we know that's the story, and we just tell it all in the same way. And uh, I know that when when my former boss told me about like how the department got started, it was always because we want to help these cast members, because they are you know, they're either picking up bad habits from other cast members, or whatever, and so we just need to be there to make sure that the cast is not creating a contradiction to the design and the story that the Imagineers are telling. So show awareness is quality control. In a way, yeah, but specifically for cats, specifically for for the the people who are in. I mean, it's under SQS show uh, oh, show quality, um, not systems. Wow, I forgot the name of my own umbrella department. <laughs> but we we work with the same people who walk into rides and say that light is pointed in the wrong direction and that speaker needs to be replaced. Except we walk in and we say we need to. You talk we, to cast members. Yeah, we train them. That is our entire purpose. I think that's it for today, actually. I think we did a pretty healthy length podcast this week. Yeah. Normally, we're four recording sessions in by now. Um, <laughs> so thank you, Shay, for coming back on. A pleasure, always. Uh, if you like the podcast, make sure you like I guess like the post that you find this on. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave a rate in review over on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And if you want to hear more content from us, go follow us over on our YouTube channel where we have a few vlogs with Shay. And uh, we got a couple new new shows coming up down the pipeline as well as uh, go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Q2Q. Follow us over there. We got some bonus content here and there as we gear into the new year we'll see we'll see some more stuff coming down come along the way yeah um, and next week we will be talking about soul so this soul. is again your week reminder to go yeah. watch soul because we they're not liable spoilers. for spoilers because this is your spoiler alert <laughs> 
So with that, we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.